0: hello my podcast family and welcome to caregiving is a ministry where we look at the word of god through the lens of caregiving today we're in the psalms um chapter 37 verses 1 through 6 the new american standard bible reads do not get upset because of evildoers do not be envious of wrongdoers For they will wither quickly like the grass and decay like the green plants. Trust in the Lord and do good. Live in the land and cultivate faithfulness. Delight yourself in the Lord and he will give you the desires of your heart. Commit your ways to the Lord. Trust also in him and he will do it. He will bring out your righteousness as the light and your judgment as noonday. I know sometimes we grow tired and or weary of waiting on God's perfect timing. I think it's because we get or we can get a case of the Joneses, you know, keeping up with the Joneses. We compare ourselves to others. We see others who who are succeeding, who may be mean or unkind, and our life seems to be at a standstill. And that can be really frustrating. And it can make you question whether God has heard you or not but know that he has and once you remind yourself that God has heard you and that he does hear every word that comes out of your mouth that should give us all reason to pause a second or two (laughs) right? (laughs) Anyhow once you remember that God has heard you then you have to sit tight and just wait on him this passage challenges us not to look at the Joneses or the Smiths or the Johnsons or the Gonzaleses or you just throw the name in there. To not look upon what other people have. To not be envious of what unsaved or mean people are doing. But to know in due season, they're going to reap their reward for being disobedient. No, we have cho- as children of God, we are instructed to not only to continue to trust God but to do good to cultivate faithfulness oh my (laughs) that's rich isn't it we are encouraged to continue to take the higher ground pursuing justice aiding our neighbors to walk in the fruit of the spirit while we wait and trust in God for his timing we're continued we are to continue to live the gospel of Jesus If you need the cliff note version of what the gospel of Jesus is, it's to love the Lord your God with all your heart and then to love your neighbor as yourself. Jesus provided that succinct explanation for us. (laughs) What else are we instructed to do after doing good in this passage? It says, then we can delight in the Lord. And I think it's when we delight in the Lord, I think as we delight in the Lord, it makes it easier for us to do good, to live out the gospel of Jesus Christ. Because we're drawing near to him, we have that intimate relationship. And then our ways, or his ways, become e- become our ways. And then it's easier for us to turn the other cheek, so to speak. I especially like verse 5 where it says for us to commit our ways to him. And he will bring it to pass. That means things will work out. as we As we commit, this is what we'd like to do. God works it out but notice the placement of verse 5 it isn't i mean it's it's verse 5 it isn't verse 3 or it's not verse 2 the key to our being um able to commit our plans um to god and for them coming into fruition is that it's sandwiched in between one word and that one word is trust Verse three begins with trust. And verse five, trust is kind of the capstone of it. I think I've shared with you that each morning as I pray, I kind of lay out my day to the Lord. I've always had a plan on what I wanted to do for the day, even when I was a little girl. You know, get up, have breakfast, go outside, play with my my little neighbor friends or get up, go to school. Have Like I, I've always thought like that. But I didn't know that I could lay this plan out before God. And so each morning I kind of say, after I've said my prayers and I've petitioned him on whatever and whomever, I then say, okay, Lord, this is what I'd like to accomplish today. And then I say, well... You know, this is what I'd like to accomplish. But if it is not in accordance with, with your will, then of course you have free reign to change anything. Because at the end of the day, Lord, I want my life to bring honor and glory to you. Now let me be honest. Those lines didn't come to me, you know, immediately upon my confession of Jesus Christ as a little girl. They weren't something that I always said. Nope. As I grew in my walk with him. As the Holy Spirit gently convicted me and drawing me closer to the Lord, and as I submitted myself and became more obedient, that's when my prayers became less self-centered and more Christ-centered. I remember the day I prayed for God to use me. It was as if someone else were talking. (laughs) I knew, though, that once I said it, I meant it. And I also knew that once I said it, God would be on it. As if he was saying, okay, she's ready now. And I knew that he would use me. And it kind of scared me a little bit, to be honest with you. I was like, oh, what have I gotten myself into, Jesus? But I sincerely wanted him to use me in, his, in the way that he saw fit. And that's when I knew I was maturing in him. And then after years of praying that, Then it's when I also turned to the ladder that I just told you about, where I started to say, "These are all the things that I want to do, but if it doesn't match up, Lord, with what you have for me, then go ahead, because I want to do what it is that you would have me to do." Once again, I knew that wasn't me. I was like, "That's nothing but the spirit," but it showed me that I was getting closer to the Lord because. I really wanted to do what he had for me to do. And I wanted my days to be arranged and orchestrated by him. You see, when you're in sync with God, you know it. There's a peace that you have. Even amongst the chaos, the peace grounds you to God. You knowing who he is. I had a peace all during... The 12 years, well, not all doing I will say. The first year wasn't as peaceful. (laughs) But as I submitted to God and got closer to God, his peace did reign. And whatever the situation would come, even though I could be frustrated or a little bit angry, there was still a peace in me that I knew things would work out well. For his glory, for mama and my good. And so you have that peace where you just know things are going to be okay, no matter what the outcome. I think we have a tendency of wanting the Hollywood version or a fairy tale version of life. But life is messy. There are always twists and turns. Read the Bible if you don't believe me. (laughs) So as we are living our lives, we need to anticipate challenges. But we are to be grounded in God. So that when they come, we're able to not only sustain, not sustain them, but withstand them, but we go through them with victory. This is Black History Month here in America. And so I want to add this little, not twist, but let's, let's have a food for thought with this same passage as it pertains to Black History Month. So I'm going to read the same passage, but I'm going to read it from the Living Bible Version. And it reads... Never envy the wicked. Soon they fade away like grass and disappear. Trust in the Lord instead. Be kind and good to others. Then you will live safely here in the land and prosper, feeding in safety. Be delighted with the Lord. Then he will give you all your heart's desires. Commit everything you do to the Lord. Trust him to help you do it, and he will. Your innocence will be clear to everyone. He will vindicate you with the blazing light of justice, shining down as the noonday sun. My ancestors coming all the way from Africa and then being here enslaved. I think this passage along with many others in the Bible helped encouraging them to continue to fight for their freedom and for equality. I like the ending of this version of the verse that God will bring about justice justice is something that a lot of people talk about they scream about it but so few people understand it and therefore they don't practice justice or live justly me being a military member I fought for justice here in America right, for the freedoms that people have in this country, including myself. My forefathers and foremothers fought for this country, even in um, the Revolutionary War, even in the Civil War. African Americans were there. But honestly, I don't know if I could do it, if I could have done it back then, knowing what they faced, to put their lives on the line for a country for freedom and liberties that they were stripped from I just how do you put yourself how do you put your life on the line for a country who considers you subhuman and treats you as such but then when we look at it from the Christian lens right is that not loving your neighbor as yourself (laughs) isn't that turning the other cheek something to consider to me at the center of abolishing slavery way before the civil war um, came to the climax that ended it to me the bible was there god was there as slaves were taught christianity by their slaveholders they honed in on the plight of the israelites being captive in egypt we talked about that last episode and how god had delivered them If God is the same God yesterday, today, and tomorrow, then he would not deliver them. That was their argument. And it was this fundamental understanding of God and who they were in God that gave them the fortitude to press and press. Also working in concert with them were the Christians, white Christians, who began to see the hypocrisy of owning an individual made in the image of God. Of course, the word abolitionist later came to represent all people, not just necessarily white, but anyone who was um, opposed to slavery. But for the first, you know, white Christians, they began to see the hypocrisy. And of course, we know history, and then it all came to a climactic end with the Civil War. But did it for African Americans here in America? Although they were free or we were free, I should say, we didn't have all of the freedoms that the rest of the population had. The civil rights movement, which is so much more than Martin Luther King, it was made up of a lot of individuals and a lot of moving pieces, but they, it, it brought to the crust the injustices that were still being placed upon African Americans the creations of organizations like the NAACP, the National Urban League, and many others, to me, not only did they have a commonality of wanting to end injustice, they also had faith in God. Christianity was the fundamental element within the civil rights movement. And as my ancestors prayed for God, for his guidance and for his instruction and protection, They also continued to do good, to be faithful, and not succumb to the vendetta vendetta of racism. You know, although there were some individuals who did, but not the movement in its whole. They were able to rise above what had been done to them and see what could be. They saw what could be and what should be and what they had a right to. My perspective is that it takes nonviolent, the nonviolent aspect of a civil rights movement as well as the by any means necessary aspect to bring about change. They work in concert, but God was still at the center. When one reads the Bible and truly hear God in it and not their own interpretation, one sees that God is just and that his expectation is that his people be just and live the gospel of Jesus, which is to what? To love God and to love others. Treating someone else as subhuman is not loving God, and it certainly isn't loving them because they are your neighbors. That Jesus challenges us to love as ourselves. That means we are all on equal footing Sadly, we still are fighting for justice, not here in America, but all over the world. We still haven't gotten it right. But what I don't see in these movements here in America, like the Black Lives Matter movement, the NAACP, the National Black Caucus, and others, is I don't see God. I don't see that shared faith in the creator. And to me, that makes us disjointed. And that's a problem. I think we need to bring God back at the center because he's the one that shows us what justice is and what being just is about. I applaud individuals who take a stand for injustice, but it'll take a collective effort to bring about change. It may start with one, but it's gonna take all of us to usher in the change that we want. African-Americans in the Jim Crow South era pushed and fought against injustices simply on what could be. Their faith in a God who had freed the Israelites led them to believe that he would free them. A God who they had been created in the image of, a God who they realized brought about the destruction of slavery, would, would usher in an era where As Martin Luther King Jr. said, little black boys and little black girls can be with little white boys, and we can all be seen as one. That we don't look at each other at the context of our skin color, but by our character. We're not there yet, but we still need to strive forward. But in order to do that, we need to keep God at the center. And so our forefathers, my forefathers, I should say, they kept pushing that active waiting on God. They kept pushing and pressing and demonstrating that they were a people called by God to rise up and show that God was who he is, that he is a God of the Bible. And they confronted people who saw God as being merely a God in a Bible versus a God of the people. I think the civil rights era that ushered in the, um, the way that we live now, I think they, they lived Micah 8, and that's what they're calling us to do in society, and Micah 8 reads in the New King James Version as, he has shown you, O oh man, what is good, and what does the Lord require of you, but to do justly, to love mercy and to walk humbly before your God. We have a lot to do here in America and, as I said, in other areas of the world. But we are a people of God. And therefore, ethnicity, it's not that it doesn't matter because God made us the different ethnicities that we are. And I think he made us that way to demonstrate that the kingdom of God is very colorful. But once again, we are all on equal footing. And so we can't get waylaid by being upset when we see other people who are succeeding. What we need to continue to do is trust in God and to do good, to live in a land and cultivate the faithfulness, to delight ourselves in the Lord and live the gospel of Jesus. Remembering that he's called us to to do justly, that's active, to stomp out injustice where we see it, and to love mercy, to be merciful, and to walk humbly before our God. Let's pray. Lord, we thank you for being a God who is with us. As we continue to grow in our humanity, we're really growing in our faith and knowledge of who we are in you. That even though we've read time and time again that you are no respecter of persons, we still like to compartmentalize or stratify different ethnicities and genders as to less than or more than or better than. But that's not how you see it. Help us not to be envious of certain people groups or certain people in our lives because they are prospering, but to realize that you are our God and we can trust in you. Help us to delight in you, to draw near to you, to have an intimate relationship with you so then we aren't threatened by people who don't look like us, who don't think like us, who don't use the same language as us and who don't have the same religion as we do but help us to continue to acknowledge who you are to commit our ways to you and to learn to do justly to love mercy and to walk humbly before you this is our prayer and because we know that you are a god who hears our prayer we thank you Thank you for bringing us to another level of consciousness of who you are and what you call us to be. Help us to be a people who are just and live justly. We love you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. All right. Go and minister the act of caregiving in the name of Jesus. Bye.